All right. Well, Pastor and Pastor Phyllis talked about the uh, October 26th um, trunk and treat we're having. And uh, I do have a bunch of flyers that you can take and pass out everywhere. And then if you're going to participate in the trunk part where you're going to decorate your trunks and, and things of that nature, there's also a piece of paper on the back of that that you can separate, put in the offering bucket. Let me know you're going to do that. Now, five years ago was the last time we did this. We had like 46 cars and the kids were wrapped around the church to get in line. It was fantastic. Uh, Jackson Center Public School has already okayed us to give every one of these out to every child in the school. Thank God. Hallelujah. It's a public school doing that for us. And uh, we've got other schools that we're after on this. And so it's going to be a great event. Um, we have some uh, pretty cool shows going to be there during the event. We have lots of uh, superheroes going to be here. Wonder Woman's going to be here. Woohoo! And, uh, and, of course, Iron Man and uh, Batman, as everybody's favorite, I think. He's going to be here. So the kids are going to take pictures with them. And so just invite your neighbors, man. I mean, this is an event they'll come out to because, you know, it's not threatening or anything like that. But the gospel is going to be preached, and I thank God that souls are going to be saved during that event. Amen? So grab these flyers, pass them out. You'll find them out there and all the way throughout the children's church. All right. So at this time, we're getting ready to start the service. We have a special service today. So of all the kids, if you all want to come out, as usual, because this is Messy Sunday, and want to sit around here, you're welcome to do that. So, oh, looky there, Kaylee's the first one, as usual. Awesome. So welcome. Come on out, guys. Have a seat, and let's get this thing started. There you go, Pastor Kyler. All right. Well, like we said at the beginning of the service, Messy Sunday, we love having our kids with us. Today, we're doing something that's a little bit different. We are presenting to you Daniel and a lion's den. And how many know the stories in the Bible are very important? Let me see the things that we learn from them. So we're going to be uh, Daniel and lion's den today. And a little bit of some product, production, some teaching in between, and some things like that. So we're excited about this. Now, one thing to let you know about. There are some, some very small scene changes throughout this. So there will be times that we will have some blackouts. But it won't go completely dark, okay, but just enough that it's dark enough that we can do some things on the stage. So, having said that, hey, you guys, you guys all ready? Huh? Give, give your neighbor a high five, a big high five. Yeah, all right. Where, where's all the teenagers at? Where are you guys at? Some, okay, and all half of you didn't raise your hand. Boo. But anyway, we're, we're glad you're with us too. So this morning we have for you Daniel and the lion's den. Hello, I'm about to share a fantastic story from the Bible, but first I'd like to introduce you to all the players, administrators and satraps. These men helped King Darius run the kingdom of Babylon. They were kind of like a local mayor and a councilman that helped run things on a very local level. In the story, there were actually more than two of them, but hey, this is a bit of a low-budget deal, so we only got two. These are the bad guys. Here is Daniel, our main character. At the point of our story in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel has been in Babylon for a rather long time. He was brought there after the Babylonian invasion of Judah in which some select Israelites were taken captive. He was chosen as a young man, but by the time of this story, Daniel may have been around 80 years old. 
King Darius. King Darius rules. He's the successor of Belhazar. He's good and bad guy all wrapped up in one. He thinks so highly of himself that he wants to be prayed to in a land of different gods. Yet finding his conscience torn later in the story, not much of anything is found about Darius outside of this biblical account. But anyway, here's the king. The lions. Oh yeah, I need to mention there are also lions in the story. Yeah, so there's that. <laughs> Stories in the Bible are important. See, they show the creator God and his interaction with man. These stories are not stories in a fictional sense, but true stories that are the landscape for the overarching stories of creation, the fall, our salvation, and eventual new creation. We lose these stories sometimes forgetting the impact and the ways that you and I can learn from them. This morning, we want to tell you again the story of Daniel, an edict of worship, something other than God, and as a result, finding himself in the midst of a den of hungry lions. Daniel and the lion's den. Daniel 6, 1 through 4. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer any loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the entire kingdom. At this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds and charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could see no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither found corrupt nor negligence. I am finished with this Daniel. It seems he can do no wrong. Long has he been tasked with interpreting of kings. They even say that he's right 100% of the time. He may have been here a long time, but he is an outsider, and so is his God. He does not deserve the appointment the king has planned for him. Maybe you. Definitely me. Oh. But not him. Listen, we'll never find any basis of charges against this man Daniel unless it has to do with something concerning the law of his God. Let's try to think of a way to trick him. I have an idea. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, governors, and advisors have all agreed that you, my king, should issue an edict, a decree in writing, that says that anyone within the next 30 days that worships a god or human, other than yourself, of course, shall be punished by being thrown into the lion's den. Hmm. This sounds reasonable. We must continue to establish rule of power. 
to keep the people in line, we must always remind them of who I am. The king and this kingdom must come first. I agree. So be it. Daniel 6, 9 through 10. So King Darius puts the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Okay, okay, time out. Let's stop the production for a minute. Let me talk to you for a second. A decree, or what was the other word called just a second ago? An edict is called a law. And I have a bunch of laws that we have here in America that I want to talk to you all about today. Right? These are official laws that in each state, they are truly enforced. Okay? So these edict, these laws are enforced, and they're in each state. In New Hampshire, it's illegal to carry or collect seaweed at night. Okay? All right. In Alabama, it is illegal for a driver to be blindfolded while driving in an automobile. All right? Sounds like common sense. It is also illegal in Alabama to flick a booger in the wind at any time. Okay? It's, it's on the books, okay? I didn't write it. I just read it. In Alaska, it's illegal to wake a sleeping bear to take a picture with him. Yeah, I wouldn't do that either, all right? In Connecticut, you're not allowed to ride your bicycle over 65 miles an hour. All right, wherever the Lampy family is, remember that, okay? All right. It's illegal to have nuclear weapons in California. So if you're traveling there, keep them in Ohio, okay? No nuclear weapons in California. It's against the law to eat chicken with forks and spoons in Georgia. After all, it's a finger food, okay? And in Quitman, Georgia, chickens are not allowed to cross the street. So there goes all of your cross-the-street chicken jokes. It's gone, okay? Red cars are not allowed to drive down the streets in Minneapolis, Minnesota, if it's called Lake Street. I have no clue why. And it's against the law to sing off-key in North Carolina. So I bet they won't find any karaoke machines there either, I'm sure, all right? And in Hawaii, residents can be fined for not owning a boat, all right? Well, after all, they are on an island, aren't they? Okay? So here's what it says in Romans 13.1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. And all those laws that I just read, even though some of them might sound really stupid, they all have to be done. We have to obey the laws. But there are other laws that man has now induced or had a decree in or an edict in that we do not have to follow. For instance, drugs and alcohol are legal in America. But Proverbs 21 says that wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. And whoever is led astray to these is not wise. Same-sex marriages is legal in America. But God says marriages are between a man and a woman. And in Matthew 19.4 and in 1 Corinthians 6.9, that all forms of adultery and homosexuality will not go to heaven. K-12 
Killing unborn babies is also legal here in America. But God says, thou shalt not kill. God's laws will always override man's laws. Always. The Ten Commandments will always be here. They're never going anywhere. Ever. Ever. In Acts 4.13, Peter and John were told by the officials not to preach in Jesus' name. Well, they disobeyed that law, and God honored them for it. In Hebrews 11.23, Pharaoh had an edict or an official law saying that all Hebrew babies are to be drowned in the Nile River. But Moses' family put their faith in God, disobeyed that law, hid baby Moses for three months, and God honored them for doing it. King Darius made a law that everyone would worship his statue that he had built. But it was against God's law that says, have no other strange laws before me. So when Daniel heard that law, he did what he always had done before the law came about. He continued to worship the only one true living God. Now say this after me. I will always obey God's laws over man's law. Thank you. Back to the production. My Lord, the king has been good to me. I have found your favor with him. But I have enemies. Enemies that I did not make. I don't understand. Is it jealousy? Is it anger? Lord, I've kept myself pure before you. I will not bow down to, pray, or worship any other thing or person. You are the one true God. I will not pray to the king, just as I did not bow to the image of gold. I will not do this now. You are the one true king. You were with us, God, when we were tested with the food that we eat. You were with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace of fire. You were with me interpreting the dreams of King Nebuchadnezzar. So be with me now. Let these things fall as they may. I will not back down. Daniel 6.11 Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Another timeout rule here, right here. This is how you stand strong, right here. Amen? You see, 
some, sometimes it seems in life like things are going downhill a little bit. It's going downhill for Daniel right now. And he doesn't actually understand what's about to happen to him, right? And you're going to find out in just a second, right, Daniel? Yeah, okay. So, but sometimes when life is going downhill, sometimes maybe it's already in the bottom, in the valley. This is how we stand strong. See, see even as believers, Daniel's a righteous man. But yet life was going downhill for him. He had enemies who were trying to set him up, jealousy and anger towards him. As Christians, we're not bubble-wrapped from the issues of life. We don't live in this big, giant bubble where things don't happen to us. But when they do, right here, this is how we stand strong. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 7, Cast all your cares upon him. Because he cares for you. That, that is so reassuring. It brings peace to your heart. As it says in Philippians chapter 4, the peace that passes all understanding comes because we can cast our cares upon him because he cares for each one of us. Amen? So what really happens is this. We stand strong in him because of who he is. That's the big thing, who he is. Not, not necessarily because of how great we are, but because of who he is. That's where we find our strength. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse number 9. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, and the faithful God, who keeps a covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Amen. That's who he is. He's God. He's the creator God. He's the all-powerful God. And you don't need to know this just by an idea in your mind, but you believe it in your heart right here. And when you believe it in your heart, you know who he is. That makes you who you are. So in the midst of life, when things seem to be going downhill, and maybe you're already in the valley, it just seems not to be working out. Deep breath. Find peace that passes our understanding. Reassure yourself because he is the great God. He is the only God. He is the faithful God. And because of who he is, I can be who I can be. Amen? You just don't think that, but know it right here in your heart. Amen? So, kids, put your hands together for me like we're praying. Right here. Put your hands right here. So, this is what we do first in all things. Trouble comes, what do we do? We pray. When things get crazy, we pray. When things don't seem to be working out at school, we pray. When somebody cuts in front of you in the lunch line, we pray. You know, anything that happens in your life, this is not the last thing that we do, but always the first thing. Amen? All right. Let's get back to our production. Did you not publish a decree that anyone who serves or worships a god or a human other than yourself, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be changed. Uh, Daniel, my king, one of the exiles from Judah, he pays no attention to you or the decrees you put into writing. As you can see here, he still prays to his god three times a day. 
Daniel 6.14. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Remember, your majesty, that no decree or edict published by the king can be changed according to the laws of the Medes and Persians. You're right. I cannot change my decree, not even for such a vital administrator as Daniel. Bring Daniel before me. Daniel. You know that I made a decree that for 30 days no one could pray to any other god except me. You willfully and deliberately disobeyed my edict. According to the law of the Medes and the Persians, I have no choice but to throw you into the lion's den. May your god, who you serve continually, rescue you. Daniel 6:17 A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. From our action here. And let's talk about what it looks like when it seems like we're losing. You know, as Christians, we, we live in life, as Pastor Randy and Pastor Kyle have talked about, we go through life and sometimes it looks a little difficult. Just because we're Christians and we have faith in Jesus doesn't mean that we're exempt from trials. In fact, Jesus taught us that they would come. And Scripture tells us how to deal with trials and how to deal with tribulations. But here's what I want to encourage you with as we continue Daniel's story. Remember that your story's not over when your story's over. See, Paul, I'm reminded one time, Paul, on one of his missionary journeys, he's traveling with some companions, and one of his companions becomes deathly ill. This is Paul, by the way, St. Paul that's going all over the world and pre performing miracles in Jesus' name. One of his friends gets sick, and Paul says, we were so far into this thing that we thought he was hopeless, so we continued on our way. They left their friend for dead. This was Paul. That seems like a pretty dark place to be in. We see it all throughout Scripture where Christians who are living for the glory of God, they come into situations that are beyond themselves. Over and over again this happens. But what we see in them is that they never lose faith. Hebrews chapter 11, one of my favorite chapters, talks about those heroes of the faith from old. What I love is that the beginning of that chapter talks about all the guys who walked in victory ultimately. They overthrew nations and kingdoms by faith. They cast out demons and they raised the dead like amazing stuff. But then the second half of the chapter, it talks about those who died in faith. Here's what we need to remember. That as Christians, we're not living for our own glory. We're living for the glory of God. And as long as His glory is set above our own needs, the end of our story is not the end of our story. Right? The great hope of the Christian faith 
is that, yes, that Jesus is a healer, but the great hope is that when we die, Jesus Christ will raise us from the dead. See, the end of your story isn't the end of your story. But here's what you can't decide. You don't get to choose when the end comes. No, we walk in faith. No matter how dark it gets, no matter if you find yourself in a pit with a bunch of hungry lions, we do not determine when our moment is here. No, we walk in faith knowing that we serve a God of miracles and we never give up hope. Jesus taught us to continually pray, to never give up hope because you never know when the moment of answer will come. What we must concern ourselves with is are we living for the glory of God no matter what happens in our lives? If we do that, our end will always be victory. Let's get back to our story. My God, my God, I have merely followed you. Lord, I've kept myself pure before you. I've abstained from things that violate your law while practicing and keeping the things that hold me to your law. I've walked holy before you, God. I'm innocent in your sight, but my enemies, they've risen up against me. They've surrounded me. They've ensnared me by deceit, and they've plunged me into this pit of death. Will you save me? My God. My God. Have you forsaken me? Are you with me in this pit? You saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fire of the furnace. Will you save me? You are the God of all. Of men, of animals, of the wind and the waves. God, when you speak, it's created. When you whisper, the mountains move. You are the God of these lions. Will you speak to them? Will you close their mouths? Why haven't they attacked? Could it be? This is going to be a long night. Lord, be my peace. The first light of dawn is here. Will the king come to me? Daniel. Daniel. Servant of the living God, is your God who you serve continually able to rescue you from the lions? The king is here. O king, live forever. My God sent his angels and they shut the mouths of the lions. I haven't been hurt. 
because I was found innocent in his sight. And, O oh, king, I have done no wrong before you. There's not even as much as a scratch on me. Remove him. Bring him up. The king was overjoyed. Daniel was removed from the lion's den. His accusers were, in turn, put there and devoured. Then Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and then Cyrus who followed. And at the time of Daniel's removal from the lion's den, King Darius wrote to all the nations and all the people of every language in all the earth. May you prosper greatly. I hereby issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not destroy, be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and in the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions, send. <laughs> Daniel in a lion's den. Everybody ends up there sometime. You're doing anything righteous, you have to understand that we're all headed for a place where it looks like our enemies are going to have the upper hand. But in the midst of this lion's den, Daniel did several things that every Christian should do. It is a representative, or they are representatives, of really their dedication to God as well as God's rule in their life. The first thing Daniel never did, he never allowed his thinking his words, or his actions, or the things that he was praying about to enter in to ask God or to be addressed or directed towards the cause or God why. Because really it doesn't matter why you're there and it doesn't matter what caused it except that you are honest before God. Daniel was a man of prayer, therefore he had a sound standing with God. The other thing is that we need to make sure that when we get in the midst of these things, remember, we don't want to allow our thinking, our words, or our attitudes to take us to question the cause or the whys that were there. Daniel wasn't interested in him about how he got there. He knew why he got there. He knew that serving his God brought him to a point that people were stirred against him even though they had no foundation to be so. And a lot of times our enemies are not even aware that they are being used by the enemy to try to stop our witness in a world that we are a part of or that we are in, but we are not subject to. And so Daniel has the enemy, these enemies, 
And we think, well, it might have just been jealousy, which may have been true. But behind that jealousy, there was a demonic plot to take out Daniel's witness and his voice for the God of all gods. And then the poor king, he was oblivious. You have to understand that lots of times when people attack you or come against your faith, that they don't even know that they're being deceived. They're getting wrong information by a one-sided story or by a, somebody's remark or by some made-up uh, imaginary plot that is going on. They don't even know they're being used by the enemy. So when we end up in a lion's den, what we want to understand is that our enemies are not the enemies that we visually are in contact with, but they are being used by a greater adversary of our faith, and that is the devil. That's why you don't want to get your thoughts onto the cause or the wise or even the individuals that have brought you to your lion's den. The Bible says this. Here's what you need to do. Number one, you need to keep your mind on the things of God. Philippians 4, 8 says, look, if you're going to think on something, think on the things that are true. Think on the things that are honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report. If there's going to be any virtue, in other words, if you're going to rise up out of this situation and have any chance of ruling over your enemy's plots, if there's going to be any place that you can rejoice that God has come through, you have got to keep your mind on God as your source. Matthew, the ninth chapter, verse 4, Jesus asked, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Evil thinking about another is not even supposed to be a concern or an option to believers. And then the second thing, Daniel really never spoke against his enemies. You know, that's forbidden among the believer. The Bible says we should never bless God and curse man with our own tongue. He said it's wrong to have bitter water coming out of the same place as sweet. There's no sense in directing your disappointment, your confusion against somebody that doesn't even know that they're responsible for doing it. Then we need to realize that we must never ever look to man as a source of deliverance. Daniel never tried to deal or to strike up some type of compromise with the king to get out of it. He simply realized that God was his source no matter where his faith in him would bring him. Daniel's enemies are not the world system. We are in this world. But what the world is doing is not really our enemies. 
But the one that is authorizing the things that the world are, is accepting as natural, as common, as acceptable, the author of that type of sin, he is our enemy. Those that are in this world living by its system, they are as blind as we were when we were sinners. So we cannot direct anything towards them. What we must do is try to rescue them out of it. And though it may seem a small thing about living life every day and doing the things that Daniel did every day, every day, Maybe they seem meticulous, but all in all, they were influencing the king because the king knew that Daniel had a different God. He knew that he had a different morality, a different standard because of the way that he ate and presented himself. He knew that he sought God before he voiced his opinions or before he got involved in the affairs of the kingdom because he prayed about the interpretation of dreams. He also realized that Daniel handled all of the affairs of his life with prayer and fasting according to Daniel, the 10th chapter. And if you let your light shine in those dark places like Daniel did, you know what? You will be influencing powers that you are not even aware of. The king's love for Daniel and his respect for him, even the place of honor that he had. He remembered that I can't stop what is taking place, but I know that Daniel's God can. Let the simplicity of your life do what it's designed to do. Touch those that are not even aware that they are lost. In the lion's den, Daniel does something pretty uh, upside down. He keeps his priorities. We might say, well, What's the lion's den all about? It's the same thing that every pressure point is about. To get you to put God someplace other than first. To get God out of the place of your source, out of the place of your faith, out of the place of your hope. It's to put God behind that and put something else in front of it. But Daniel kept his priorities right. And then Daniel, he honored God and kept him first. But then he kept the priorities of honoring those that deserved to be honored. Daniel realized that in the king's life and his decision, he had been manipulated just like the presidents and the other men of political power had been. Daniel was wise enough to realize that what I see is not the problem or the enemy that I really face. So when we get into these places, we want to make sure that we keep our priorities right. Always keep God first. Because the enemies are not important. 
And then always give honor to whom honor is due. And so Daniel kept his priorities right. He did not cave in. And know this, saints, darkness is always going to hate light. That's just the facts. Hate is always going to be the enemy of love. Wrong is always going to be against right. The carnal man, the carnal mind will always be against the spiritual man that seeks to satisfy God. Our end is never in the hands of a corrupt world. Our end is in the hands of an eternal righteous God. We must never try to justify ourselves, explain to others why we're going through hard times because any Christian that's saved for a week knows that as soon as they got saved, it seemed like everything went down. And if you haven't experienced that, don't worry, next week's coming. But what we don't want to do is we do not want to try to figure out how God is going to bring us out. What we have to do is trust that God is a just God. Trust Him. He will make things right. It's not our job to judge those that are without. It is God's judge, God's ability and right to judge those that are without. We don't have to prove their motives. God will bring their motives to light. Never worry about an accusation. Never worry about a false story. Never worry about lies that are for seasons. Just trust in a faithful, just God. In today's world, sin is being redefined just like it was in Daniel's. Daniel's belief system was under pressure. But Daniel did not let the world, its system, its ways, and even people that were used by the devil to allow right and wrong to be established. He lived by the laws of God and every word that proceeded out of the mouth of it. Today, sin is defined by appetites, by the desires of people's lusts to be fulfilled, by abundance, by multiplication, by increase. Everything that makes people feel good, justified, or liberated at the cost of even everyone else's life seems to be okay today. But don't ever let your conscience that God has given you, that has been molded and framed and tempered by the Word of God and the Holy Ghost, don't ever let it be dominated by the opinions of a world that does not know God. 
Don't surrender your conscience to the rule of a pagan society. Say pagan is a strong word. Yes, it is. But it's due the generation that Daniel was in and it's due our generation. The only reason that they are pagans is either two. They have rejected Christ or the second is they have not heard about him from us. Always stand on the rock that is higher than you are. It is on that rock, the unshakable word of God, that Daniel stood. So it's not when, not where, not how. Those aren't even questions. The truth of the matter is, the enemy is recruiting lions for your pit. It doesn't matter how you get there. Because like Kylan and Randy and Tim all stated, look, we're not exempt. But every time that it happens to us, we can allow it to redefine our faith. You know, sin is like a boa constrictor. It just wraps itself around us. And every time we exhale, it tightens up on us. And every time that we compromise, it takes life. Every time that we shrink back, it takes more space. Until pretty soon, we have become the prey of the world that surrounds us. Let's not be like that. Let him recruit who and what he will. But this is what we know. Our faith does not stand in the decrees of men. But it stands right here. The connection with our God. Our connection with our God. Every head bowed. Father, I know that through many afflictions do we enter into the kingdom of God. It's not an easy road, but God, it is a successful road. It is a road where our faith may be tried, but God, it comes out stronger. It is a road where friends may become enemies. It is a road, God, where we will have to prioritize. It is a road where we will have to put value on that which is truly worth something to us. But God, I ask today that you would help us always, God, to be expressions of the light of the world that God people would see the Christ in us. The devotion that we have to you. Our willingness to obey you. And God let them see the courage that we have. To stand as lights in a dark world. Use our lives. Use our voices. And use 
us overall for your glory. God, and let the kings and the people of influence from the lowest grade to the highest grade see Jesus and come to the God of the church. And God, we thank you for it. Now, God bless every family that is here today. And we give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I hope that you enjoyed Daniel in the Lion's Den. It is our attempt to help you to refocus on many of the stories in the Bible that lead us up to who Christ is. To lead us up to where our faith is in the prophets and the apostles. Taking of the old and of the new, and that's what the kingdom is made up of. Now we realize that Daniel at 80 years old may have quit shaving and had a beard. We realize that probably the king never dressed in a two-piece suit. But, and I'm sure that you realize that there weren't iPhones in Daniel's quarters. But what it did was help you realize that, you know what, today the battles that we face are the same as every other believer has ever faced. Be strong. Always keep bending knees. Keep a strong stand with God.